0: Thank you for joining us today. I am Pastor Sean, and we want to read from God's Word. And no, I'm not wearing a dicky for those of you all at home. It's my mask. I know my wife was saying that's what it looked like. But that's not what it is. It's my mask. Uh, Turning your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter two and verse eleven. 1 Peter chapter two and verse eleven. We're continuing our se- series in Stand Firm in uh, 1st and 2nd Peter. How Peter has given us this important message that is just as accurate, uh, vital, important in the first century as it is in the 21st century or 2020. Uh, And we are are reminded of how we are called to live differently as believers in this world and how important it it is for us to stand Firm. Today, we want to look at what it means to stand firm by submitting. So let's read verse 11 through 25. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works. And will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors as to those sent out by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you will silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, But as God's slaves, honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God, honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters and with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor to God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not, com- uh, he did not commit sin, and was, no deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins we might live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls let us pray heavenly father we come to you today as we honor you by listening And coming under your word. And God, as we listen and obey, as we trust and obey, and as we ask you, we come to you to let the Holy Spirit change us. That we might look more like your son Jesus, more like your description of our lives in the word than our own selfishness. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name amen. There are many things that this world and our culture applauds about Christianity. Our character, honesty, deep relationships, a commitment for unity across racial lines, our service, the way that we love and that we live. But there's one thing that the world rejects or takes a step back of when we talk as Christians about submission, submission is a totally different story. Most people in our culture, when they, the word submission comes up, uh, there's a pit in the stomach of rejection that comes up. And unfortunately, we in the church often talk about submission when it comes uh, to the home and to families and to households. But brothers and sisters, as I observe, yes, there are some times that we must be reminded about submission in the home. The issue is, is that nobody wants to submit to anyone. That we live in a culture of submission, rejection, rejecting the authority, rejecting the man. We, we have people who are going through the streets talking about and, and rioting against authority. But perhaps this understanding of submission is something that we must all be reminded as Christians and that we all must encourage in our culture by our example. Perhaps no greater illustration is something that we just sang about. We sang, God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Uh, what is it that the clay happens? Is the clay uh, say, uh, hey, I'd like. Uh, a, a little bit wider, to be a little bit wider bowl, or I don't like this shape, or I don't, no, the clay submits to the potter. It is shaped and molded at the will of the potter. And therefore, it is in that example that our hearts, our lives, our ministry, our hearts should submit to God. In this understanding, we see that it is not just a call for us, but it is the example of Jesus. Submission in the Bible comes up by different names that we read it. Submission includes the ideas of obedience, subordination, allegiance, reverence, trust, and self-denial. Submission is ultimately really the goal of discipleship, Right? That we would submit ourselves unto God and his word. That we would grow in following God and what he wants to do for our lives. That we submit into his way to both follow the word but also tell others about him. It is us submitting to God's goal and roles for our lives. The concept of submission relinquishes one's individual rights in favor of another. And it is through complete submission that we truly find peace and, and rest under God's authority when we submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Submission is the way of life and causes us to look at the world and others with great humility. Let me just ask, does that seem to be the snapshot of the world around us? Humility, does that seem to be the snapshot of Christians in the local church? Submission is the way of life of humility. And Peter says in this passage that submission is a characteristic of born-again believers and an act of obedience that we live in this world in which it glorifies God to the world around us. How we submit to authority, how we submit to each other, brings honor to God. So in this passage, I want us to show us four truths about submission. If you're taking notes here or at home, number one is this. Submit your lives to honor God. Verse 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. You know, it's interesting that when you go and you travel to foreign lands, you know that you will adopt those those traditions or customs only for a while, but you don't commit to them forever. You don't submit to them forever. As a matter of fact, like if you were to go to different uh, lands and and, and do different greetings. In the UAE, you would bump noses uh, to greet one another. Uh, In Japan, you would bow. But you don't do that when you come home because if you, you try to somebody bump my nose, I might bump them with something else. I don't, I don't know, I, I would reject that sort of thing. Uh, we don't go around bowing to one another because it's not fit in our culture. Uh, we know that what we do is that we live to the culture in which we're from. And again, Peter is reminding us that this world, this earth, this time is not our home. here again brings up the words that he used in verse chapter one verse one that we are transients, that we are aliens and pilgrims that we are only here for a little while. He is stressing again, Christian, you are not to live in the culture of today, but the culture of our heavenly home and which is our true home that it is our uh, it is our desire to live as Christians of God, of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, backing this up to what we just read in verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim his praises. Peter doubles down again saying that you were created for more than this. You are created for not to live by the world standards, but instead for the holy name, the holy right to live for God in this world for this time. And so what is the instruction? Abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. We know from James and other areas that what is the source of uh, disagreements and destructions among you? It is what is in our souls, it is what is in our heart, it is what what drives us to, to go against one another is our own pride, our own desires. And Peter here is saying that in the same way we should reject those desires, reject the desires of the flesh, reject the desires of the world, and abstain from these passions because it is not fitting of a citizen of heaven. But instead, what should citizens of heavens do? They should have good works. That you, in verse 12, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. Now, just so that we know, Peter's not saying that there's only Jews in the church. What he's saying is Jews and Gentiles who are now believers are kingdoms of heaven as opposed to those who don't follow God. And so what he's saying here is is that as opposed to the world, we need to do and live as our heavenly home desires us to live. And when Peter tells his hearers to live good lives, he uses this word uh, when he says, conduct yourselves honorably. It could also mean beautifully or attractively. The high holiness of fellowship with God results in us Living in such a way that is attractive because it's so different, because it's peaceful, it's loving, it's kind, it's forgiving, it's different from what this world is selling. But it results in a self denial that we're not living for ourselves, we're denying our own pleasures, our own gratifications. Instead, we live to honor and work for the good of others it is this luminous theme of goodness that runs through Peter's book that reminds us that we are attractively shining a light in the world to be different like God this echoes what Peter would have heard Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 in the same way Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father in heaven. What is the goal of us living differently and honoring and submitting to others, submitting to our authorities, submitting to those who are around us? It is honoring God and displaying his goodness. So I encourage you, Consider how is it that you're living differently from the world. High schooler or college student, I encourage you. How might you live differently than the students that are around you? As your friends seek to find joy in partying and drugs and alcohol and other ways, that they say, this is the only way to have fun during this stretch in our lives. I encourage you. To show them that there are other ways to have fun and enjoy life and to honor God with your life. In the business field of cutthroat nature that says to get ahead, you have to step on the lives and, and uh, the success of others. Maybe instead live differently. Listen to support staff and janitors and coworkers and serve them And not dismiss them. How life differently, how loving, how different and light shining is that in a world that is all about ourselves? How are we living and submitting our lives to honor God differently than the world around us? Well, secondly, from this, as we are doing the submission to honor God, we must also submit to all authorities as unto God. Verse 13, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him, to punish those who do what is evil and to praise what is doing good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of the foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, and honor the emperor. If you want to read something both in the first century and today that is shocking, that is against the grain, that is against the culture, you might want to read this out loud somewhere. Submit to all authorities and emperors. Let's think of the original context. Christians were so looked down upon in the first century, they were accused of being cannibals. Why? Because they went around talking about that they were drinking and eating the blood and body of Christ. And so people falsely proclaimed them being cannibals. Some said that they were polytheistic because they were dishonoring God and that they had chose to make him Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, misunderstanding the triune nature of God. But further still, the culture hated Christianity so much that the ruling leaders would both imprison and kill Christians regularly. As a matter of fact, we know that emperors of the day, depending upon when this letter was written, that it was open knowledge that Christians were opposed to Rome, that some emperors were lighting their parties by burning Christians at the stake. They were executing apostles and imprisoning many, and Peter himself, not wanting to be, uh, not wanting to be killed just as his savior was crucified upside down for his belief in the resurrected Jesus. This is the context in which this verse is written. It wasn't like they had voted to get the most favorable leaders for the church. It wasn't that they had the most loving time as the culture for the church. Peter said, love, submit to the emperor, the supreme authority, and the governors who are working for him, honor everyone, honor the emperor. That's pretty shocking. There is a submission putting ourselves behind others in many relationships in our life. And this matches to all of what the Bible says. Just a smattering of ways that God has called us through his word to submit to others. We are called to submit to God in James chapter 4 verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Again, uh, Paul had talked about submitting to the government in Romans 13.1. Let everyone submit to the governing authority since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Wives are to submit to husbands. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting unto the Lord. Children are submitting to parents. In Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything. Children at home, children in the room, submit and obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord. Christians to each other, Uh, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The church to Christ, Ephesians 5.24, now as the church submits to Christ in everything. And to pastors and elders in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, obey your leaders and submit to them since they c- keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, we are in election season right now. I don't know if you've noticed by the bazillion ads that come on podcasts and Internet and radio and TV and all the other. But one of the effective ways that candidates use to try to win you over is by slander and exaggerating each other's flaws and sometimes even telling lies about one another. Do we understand or believe that unfortunately many of us during this time do just as poorly we get on our own political hobby horse and and repeat those same lies or, or, or that we are to tend towards the same behavior. Instead, what does the Bible tell us to do? That we ought to pray more for our political leaders and complain about them far less. When it comes to being submissive to church leadership, we're pretty quite bad at it. Do we believe that All the multitude of church splits are justified. How many are so in this day and age quick to switch churches because of relatively minor issues? Instead of thinking and praying and listening and 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 praying for our leaders and pastors in the church, many oppose. And submission to human authority does not mean that we listen or agree to everything, but instead we follow the Lord's guidance in praying for our leaders, spending more, uh, instead of spending more time complaining about them and imposing their instruction. So what is submission not? Well, just quickly, submission to human authority does not mean that we never are involved with the decision-making process. That's not submission, that's ignorance. That is staying away from the discussion. Submission is rightfully communicating with leaders about issues, and that's an important part of our political process that we will do in November, that we take part in voting. Submission does not mean that we follow human authority when it is clearly involving sin. We see that all throughout the Bible. Peter Peter, uh, rejected the authorities who told them in Acts, Stop preaching about Jesus. And he said, uh, there is no authority on earth that can keep me about preaching the name of Jesus. We know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would rather be burnt to a crisp than bow down to an idol. We know that Daniel would rather be lion snacks instead of stopping to pray and listening to the king. There are times for civil disobedience. But how often do we, do we quickly run to that instead of submitting as God has called us to do? Submission does not mean that those who submit are less important or less intelligent or less godly than those whom are told to submit, that we are told to submit to. How do we know that? Because Jesus submitted to the Father. And we would not argue that he was less, And submission never means that we should keep ourselves in a dangerous, abusive relationship. Whether you're a spouse, a child, or someone else, you should never think that submission is an excuse to keep yourself in danger. But what does submission mean? Submission means that we have the strong tendency to defer to the judgment of the authority Unless it involves obvious sin to God. In relationships, we're told to submit. We're told to submit to one another. We're to submit to the authorities given unto us. But we will have to know that those leaders have to answer to God for their decisions. And it is our response and our role to submit. So we must understand that we are called to submit to all authorities as unto God. And number three, we are to submit even when it leads to suffering. In verse 18 through 20, it gives an example of household slaves that you are to to listen, not just to the good and gentle masters, but to the to even the cruel ones. And, and he goes on to say, what is the credit of listening to someone while, you're, while uh, doing wrong, uh, you are beaten, instead that you are beaten while doing good? In other words, that you are suffering even for doing good things. Now, Peter uses this household code to help us see an example that it is even when sub- we submit, even if it means that it costs us something, uh, that we might suffer because of it. Now, quickly, many people would say, oh, look, Christians are supporting slavery. This is far from the truth, and you would be wrong to think that way. As a matter of fact, in the cultural context that Peter is talking about, in the first century slaves, many of the servants uh, and the slaves were because of debts owed, that they, are, they were paying debts to someone and they were able to work off those debts. In many ways, those slaves and servants were allowed to at one day be free because of that. It is totally in contrast to the enslavement against the will of people through the 16th and 19th century that was an aberration and a horrid nature of our history here in America. And yes, unfortunately, Christians did use verses like this to support that false view, but this is not the heart of what Peter is talking about. What Peter is shining a light on is the sinful part of our hearts that says, I will submit when you're doing good to me. I will listen and I will obey when I agree with the decision, or I will agree if you're overall treating me well the reality is is that we should submit even if it costs us something and we suffer for it we listen to our boss even if we tell them that this is probably not the best decision for the company we still submit and it might suffer in in our company in the long run we might submit to our parents even though that we we disagree or it might mean that we lose some sort of benefit that we have we still listen and submit to our parents well here peter is saying that even if you are being beaten even if you are doing something and you should still submit but it would be better that during this that you do Good because what you're doing is you're showing the world that in uh, I'm still being faithful to God and still being punished, I'm still doing what God has called me to do. But instead, oftentimes, how do we deal with submission? We want it done our way, we want it to do the way we want it to do. We want that person to be, act a certain way for, for us, and then we might submit. Someone said the, the greatest renewable resource in the world is self-justification. We will quickly justify our behavior to not submit, not be godly, not return uh, evil for good. We will do whatever it takes to make us feel good. But when we behave rightly and su- rightly, justly suffer... We are, what is it saying in verse 20? That we are bringing honor to God. We get favor with God. Again, this would be another echo of what Peter heard Jesus talk about and teach in Luke chapter 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. This is a great reminder to us that that we are called to submit that we are to honor and others. The question becomes, do I trust the word of God? Do I trust that when I submit to something that I don't agree with, that God is still in control? That I trust and submit knowing that God has my good purposes and his glory in mind? That I must submit even when this submission means I might disagree. Or will I only submit when it's easy and the person I like? How many times do we use this excuse in our marriages? We'll serve the other one when they've done what we've wanted wanted them to do today. Or if everything is right and we get our way, how quickly and easily are we to get along with each other? But shouldn't we be honoring and loving and serving even if it means our suffering or disagreement? Peter is telling us that we must be different from the world and not because of what the world has said is right, but our desires with sinful desires in us that wage against our own soul so that we might display something different from the world. That people would see us submitting and loving and forgiving even in ways that we suffer from. And therefore, number four, we must submit following Christ's example. Verse 21 through 25, Peter lands reminding us, For you were called to this. (laughs) You were called to this. You were born again into this. You are now in this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. There, were, there was a mom who could hear in the playroom down the hallway, brother and sister arguing and yelling at each other. And the mom goes in the room and, and says, Hey, stop arguing with one another. And the girl turns to her mom and says, Mom, we're not arguing. We're just playing mommy and daddy and playing house. They've obviously been seeing a certain example. That is a reminder to us that people are always looking for an example to follow. And brothers and sisters, as Christians, we have already been given an example to follow in Jesus Christ. We have the perfect example. And here Peter uses an example of, of, of Jesus, yes, even before authorities, that, that he is the suffering servant. Throughout these verses, Peter uses several quotes from Isaiah 53, identifying Jesus as that suffering servant. Servant, And we see all in the New Testament that, that yes, that Jesus is connected, or there is the suffering servant passage. But we are thankful to Peter that he gives us the full thread from Jesus to the suffering servant, Isaiah 53. How do we see this? Well, what is the example that Christ has shown that connects to Isaiah 53? One, that Christ, who did not commit a sin. That Christ, who did not retaliate. The Christ who bore our sins and by Christ whose wounds we are healed. You see, Christ is the pattern in which we are to trace our lives, that we are to follow in his footsteps. And it is when we, not, we do not follow Christ, it is when we do not follow in his footsteps and in his example that we fall down that example of self-reliance and self-righteousness and self-justification. Maybe you remember the scene in The Princess Bride when they go into the fire swamp. And they have to face several different things. Of course, uh, the the fire blasts, but one of them is the lightning sand. And uh, Wesley and Buttercup are going through, and Buttercup makes the wrong step, and boom, she falls down uh, quickly through the lightning sand. And Wesley has to cut a vine, dive in, save her, and pulling them both out. And that is the example of us when we don't watch our footsteps in following Jesus. The following of Jesus is putting himself below others. By submitting and not considering himself like God, but putting himself below and serving even to the point of death, death on a cross. You see, a Christian's life with the life of Christ, for one step in the footsteps of Jesus, head off in other directions. But if you take the direction of Jesus, he took his footprints, led to the cross. His footprint went through the grave and onward to glory. And therefore, we must be reminded that as we follow the example of Christ, we are, are putting ourselves as servants when we follow Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 20, he called them and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not like be that way among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Brother and sister, we need to have the characteristic of Christ, that Jesus gladly submitted himself to the Father, to which called him to die for our sin. And if we understand this, how much joy follow suits? How can we not submit to God and honor his word and authority and submission over our lives? We know that to modern ears that this sounds like death, but to a believer, this who has the gift of hearing the good news of the Word of God, this is life that we are called to submit, and it is in that submission that we find joy. God is calling you today to submit to Him, submit to His Word, submit to To one another, submit to authorities, to show the world there is something greater than ourselves, brothers and sisters. Maybe you're here today and you're checking out Christianity, and you you wonder what does Christianity encapsulate? And what is it is right here that Jesus did not commit a sin that he was insulted and was threatened but did not go against the leaders. But he himself bore our sins on the tree that we might have righteousness and our wounds are healed. It is in Jesus that all of our failures to submit All of our times of disobedience, all of the times of sin and selfishness have been paid for by Jesus Christ. We encourage you today, you to submit to Christ. It is in him and his death on the cross that his life after death gives us life. It is this good news that we trust in Jesus and we can be born again, that he is our forever father, he is our forever joy, he is our eternal reward. And brothers and sisters, if we have been saved by this, we can rest and be encouragement in the words to submit. In what ways are you following Christ and submitting to him and his word? In what ways are you submitting like Christ to those around you? Even when you're suffering, how do you display the qualities and character of Christ? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we are reminded of the joy and reward that comes by submitting to others. Because we know it goes to you and in honor of you. And, Lord, we pray as we honor you by submitting our lives to others uh, that, Lord, you encourage us, protect us, and help us show the world the excellencies and the wonders of your grace, the praises that deserve from your people. God, I pray this morning uh, that you would convict my heart in areas where I need to submit to others around me that you would convict all of our hearts and how we might live lives of submission to display this wonderful grace that is in you. And I pray this, dependent on the Holy Spirit for, for myself and for us all, that we would submit to your wonderful grace. In Jesus' name, amen.